Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. I'm your host, Anne Gripper. I have not got a massive, Kate, bouncy, beautiful blow dry, sadly, but even if I had, I'd have had to put it up in a hairband so that it wasn't interfering with my microphone. But anyway, I am here and I am delighted to be joined by Daily Mirror Royal Editor and brand new daddy, Russell Myers. Welcome Hello. Back. Hello. How are we? Yeah, everyone was very excited for you. It's such lovely news, and we it need was. the lovely news in these times. So. Well, thank you so much for all the messages. It's been really, really welcome. And uh, yeah, I mean, D- Daniel said I was looking good for being sleep deprived. So you know, you're, appreciate, you're appreciate the shout out, Dan. Harder, put you harder to work. Put you harder to work yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I'm yeah. sure you are doing your your bit. It's I can really... assure you, I'm doing my best, and that's Excellent. that's all you can do, isn't it? That is all you can do. All you can do. Well, I mean, there's not been much going on while you were off and while we had our little break, but we're going to try and fill in some gaps today with a bit of um, Sovereign Grant chat and a bit of catching up with the Sussexes and what they've been up to. But first of all, we want to talk about the new, fresh, exciting stuff, which this week I think really is Prince William and all of his big environmental efforts. So we've had the ITV documentary already this week on Monday and now putting us into the space cut time continuum of future when this goes um, goes out to, to our lovely listeners we can talk about the Earthshot prize a little bit because this was an initiative that was announced it was back in January wasn't it it was about the time that Harry and Meghan were making their dramatic exit stage left and yes and, and now it, here we are and now here we are so it, it has been like it's been quite quiet through the course of the year there's been a bit of action on Instagram but not like a huge amount I've seen going on with it. But tomorrow is basically Earthshot Day. What do you, well, today. Tomorrow, you, stroke today. In yes. The space time continuum. Thursday. Thursday. Big news. This is quite exciting because it has been dubbed the Nobel Prize for the environment. And, you know, the, the spiel that we've been given from the palace is, um, it, you know, makes it sound very, very uh, interesting and lordy and very ambitious. And I think it is you know, for once, a, P- a, a bit of PR masterclass by the, by the palace, because it is all of those things. And uh, William is launching the 50 million Earthshot Prize, which we don't think we knew sort of how much money would be involved or what sort of, we knew kind of it was going to be a competi- global competition for the environment, but not necessarily the, the you know, the detail of what we, uh, what we to expect. And now we have it. So Prince William launches 50 million pound Earthshot Prize. And now what this means is there are going to be five one million pound prizes awarded each year for the next 10 years and the aim is to provide at least or you know 50 or at least 50 solutions to the world's greatest environmental problems by 2030 so this is a, a huge huge global challenge and how it was sort of sort of you know spelt to me as though william is really stepping out onto the global stage i think i've made a big play for him over the last couple of years when i've been visiting uh, places like israel and palestine and jordan the middle east essentially um and you know africa we know he's got a big passion for well this is even becoming more statesmanlike on the global uh on the global platform global arena because he's really putting himself out there and saying you know he's a keen environmentalist we saw in the ITV documentary, which we'll touch upon later, about how he had said that uh, David Attenborough, Sir David Attenborough, was his single biggest influence uh, on his sort of conservation and um, uh, sort of ideals and, and views about climate change and the climate emergency. I'm not too sure how happy his father will be about him saying that, but we all love David Attenborough, so maybe he'll 
he'll let him off. But this is called the Earthshot Prize because it's taking um, sort of uh, the ambition is in, in, the inspiration is from John F. Kennedy's moonshot. And I mean, we are far too young to remember this, but we all, all do know the history behind it. Sort of, um, you know, the, the moonshot program united millions of people around the world to try and put man on the moon and then essentially became a catalyst for to develop new technology in the 1960s. And they're using this sort of concept to develop, you know, this, this earth shot program. And they want five every year for the next 10 years. And it could be an idea from a big corporation in America or Canada, or it could be a school child in Kenya or Tanzania, um, or it could be a group of people in South Korea, uh, whatever. And they have the capacity to have all these ideas in solving the world's biggest environmental problems to win a load of cash, but to really try and make the world a better place. And I think this is just wonderful. It's very exciting. And I think it makes sense. It's quite, in some ways, it's quite different from the moonshot because the moonshot was just like one single ambitious thing. We've just, there's only one way to achieve it. We've got to find a way to get a man or a woman or what, you know, it was realistically back then it was going to be a man, um, get a man from the earth and onto the moon. And that was, you know, you only needed one way to do it. But realistically with the earth shot, there are so many different aspects of the environment that are under threat whether it's wildlife or air or you know water availability or you know the ozone you know all the different elements that we can't there's not one single solution so having this variety of different you know different ideas coming forward and being brought forward is is a really positive and, and powerful one i think like how so what's the process and who's, so, who's involved so the deal the deal is so they've got five earth shots that are being revealed uh today let's talk today thursday so protect and restore nature clean our air revive our oceans build a waste-free world and fix our climate so all of these targets essentially can be open to uh, an idea of what you think uh, they're talking about, you know, the challenges are rooted in science, generating new ways of thinking, using new technologies. Um, but it just might, you know, it might be something that a big conglomerate has been working on for a long time and they need to, you know, to get it over the line and this potentially million pounds will help them solve this big problem. Or it could be something, you know, a school child in, uh, in an African nation has come up with or a kid in Birkenhead or whatever. So any, they are literally inviting um, nominations or you know, for, for, throughout the world, nominations open on, I had the date, things about the, it's in November 20, 1st of November. Okay. So this is the first one and you will have a, uh, a very skilled um, sort of judging panel who are looking at all of this and even like, you know, you've got a big corporation like Deloitte uh, working through who the people are. So they'll be doing all the due diligence. But the, you know, the, the actual judging panel um, is involving William himself, um, Shakira, the singer. Shakira, Shakira. Shakira, Shakira, hips don't lie. Um, David Attenborough. Has to be. Uh, Danny Alves, the Brazilian footballer who's been, you know, he's quite an environmentalist, done a lot of things about the Amazonian uh, rainforest. He's a you know, b b big vocal member of that sort of sphere. Um, Yao Ming, the former basketball player. Uh, who else have we got? Um, Sounds like a pretty useful five-a-side team. David Atkins, I mean, maybe not, not bad, so much. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's not bad. So you've got these, all, you know, he's he's brought together all these different people from different spheres of the world to then brainstorm uh, and to try and solve the world's biggest environmental problems. And, you know, the tag on it is, is essentially that they are saying it's the most prestigious global environmental prize in history and i think that these comparisons with the nobel prize are um you know are, are, are fully deserved and i think that it's very very ambitious a 10-year program so it's not just sort of a flash in the pan program and you know william's talking about this fact that the, the next 10 years are really crit a critical decade for the earth and these are the this is the time that we really need to be identifying these solutions to the the biggest environmental problems that we face and who so you mentioned it's it's 50 million quid over the course of the 10 years who who is funding who's funding it is it part of williams sort of foundation or are there, are there sponsors and such like along so essentially what happened right so um he when william was doing that work he was doing a working trip which we didn't get to go to unfortunately but he was in um tanzania kenya in 2018 and he went there and he was thinking about you know trying to come up with some sort of program which would work. Namibia, Kenza, and Tanzania is tackling sort of conservation issues, illegal wildlife trade, and you know, thinking about his inspiration to explore solutions to, to, to these big environmental issues. And apparently, he came back, started speaking about it with Sir David Attenborough, and they created the concept to uh, to get the Earth Shop going. Now they funded, they've, they've, they've created something called the Global Alliance Founding Partners. And now this is essentially a group of leading philanthropists all around the world who have come together with William, with David Attenborough to try and, you know, to raise the profile of this program. Now the Founding Alliance Partners or the Global Alliance Founding Partners, quite a mouthful, um, involves plate people or organizations like Bloomberg uh, Philanthropies, uh, the DP World in partnership, Dubai Expo 2020, Jack Ma Foundation, and these are all G. Allen Family Foundation. These are obviously huge, huge billion dollar corporations, organizations, philanthropic organizations, and they have the money essentially to be um, to put forward to try and uh, to try and get people to to nominate themselves or their uh, or their colleagues or classmates. And so um, I think where's 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 a nice comment gone that I saw. So um, I asked our listeners what they thought of the ITV documentary the other day, and Kay Gosling, sixty-three, replied, "I loved it. William has the personality, thanks to his mother, to engage people in a cause that has been close to his dad's heart." And I thought that was I thought that was a really nice way of of putting it because clearly it is it is something he is so passionate about. We saw that in the documentary on, on Monday. And I presume that was the, the Tanzania, Kenya, Namibia trip that yeah. you were talking about was part of what we saw in that, in that documentary this week. Would that have covered the time? Yes, it, it did. And it was, you know, talking about the illegal wildlife trade. And we saw in the ITV documentary, uh, A Planet for Us All, which was fantastic. A lot of people have been asking me when it will be coming out in the States. Now, I still haven't solved this conundrum, unfortunately, but um, NBC are a partner with ITV. So one would hope that they will air it at some time or it may be available on YouTube. But if you haven't seen it, please do try and watch it because, um, you know, this documentary crew followed William for two years um, and it was, it encompassed everything really, talking about uh, the floodplains at Sandringham. He was meeting children in on Merseyside, showing him Buggingham Palace that they were making all these sort of, um, these, uh, these bugged palaces or, you know, what they did you see, what how can i explain it, it was, bug hotel this, i think bug hotel called. that's, that's quite good, yeah 
Um, the Buckingham they, Palace, I just love, <laughs> love it. Brilliant, isn't it? Absolutely brilliant. But yeah, kids getting involved and sort of learning about ecosystems and the climate emergency and actually the world around them. And then obviously on a grander scale, William trying to do uh, so much to stop the illegal wildlife trade. And we saw him speaking over the last couple of years very, very passionately about that. And you saw him in you know, uh, an ivory centre basically some all the um, all the sort of trafficked ivory that had been seized and it was just unbelievable amounts of tusks and huge huge tusks that have been found from slaughtered animals and it's something that i think that he feels that you know we are in this very very critical stage of ecosystems and the world and climate change and, and the wildlife that could really disappear and he spoke about you know his change really about becoming a father and how that had sort of changed his view of the world and shaped his you know policies really of how he wants to um how he how he how he sees his role and interestingly enough i was speaking to someone at the palace during the week and they were saying you know when you look at william and i think when you watch this documentary he's very good around the kids and very good you know speaking to prince or pauper or children or you know world leaders and i think they they were really highlighting the fact that he's really grown in confidence over the last couple of years and he does have this renewed vision almost of what his role is within the world. And, you know, I think from his own admission, he said that that was from how different his life is and the fact that there is a change of guard at the moment. You're seeing the Queen do less. His father's taking more on more responsibility. Obviously, Charles has been uh, speaking at Davos. He's been speaking a lot about the environment um, recently. Obviously, he's been doing it for the last sort of 40 decades or four decades rather. <laughs> 40 decades not that old um but yeah 40 50 years but he he's been speaking about this for a long long time and and um you know the the people at the palace were saying this this is or uh, another changing of the guard it's you know philip his grandfather was speaking about these issues 70 odd years ago then charles and now william sees this this is his uh this is his um this is a time to to raise these issues and again i think there's this earth shot is just the beginning. If it's a 10 year program, we can expect to see an awful lot more of um, him, him fighting the, you know, with a conservation banner. And we said, people were very excited to see the new pictures of um, George, Charlotte and, and Louis doing their, doing their bits and pieces in the garden and, and on the beach, which were very, very cute. But I think um, last week when Zoe and I were talking with the sort of Kate special that we, that we did, we were kind of saying that this year it felt like some of her long-term projects have really matured and come together on a in a bigger setting and i think maybe we're seeing that now with william as well you know this documentary was two years in the making and it's now been released this week just ahead of the earth shots you know it's a carefully sort of plotted P, you know pr package or to to give the biggest possible platform to what he's trying to achieve definitely and We've spoken a lot about this in recent months about how it does feel that there is a natural home for Kate at the moment with the early years development, talking a lot about children. And, and I think that William's work will fit into this sphere now, you know, all about climate change and conservation, whilst not forgetting, um, you know, the, the big issues at home. And that's, you know, I think both of them are managing them particularly well. You've had the you know, engagement I was at with, um, with Kate in Blackpool last year when she was talking to you know really disenfranchised communities and mothers and babies and then she's been doing stuff with baby banks and i'm sure a lot of people didn't realize that you know baby banks exist as a, as as do, as do food banks in disadvantaged communities in this country you know and they've had a huge um groundswell of support through 
uh, you know, visiting them. And um, and I think that's what that's what we're going to see some more of her this year. And we saw her continued sort of interest and commitment with mental health stuff as well yesterday with the visit to University of Derby, which is why I was banging on about big bouncy hair at the beginning of the show because I cannot get over how incredible Kate's hair looks. I've just got blonde highlight. I saw your post. I saw your post. You know it was you that wrote that, Russell. You know it was you that wrote that, really. Wasn't you? Hashtag hair goals, yeah. (laughs) Hair goals, hair goals. (laughs) No, it's just, I think I've been going quite grey in lockdown. So when I look at Kate's hair, I'm just like, oh. Join the club. Gosh, it's, uh, we need to get some vitamin D, I think. Get get, get outside a bit more. or just some hair dye that would solve well, the problem you know. as well so, anyway <laughs> but that feels that feels like a step and a concession to being old and i'm not quite ready yet <laughs> <laughs> the time is probably closing in though um, was, there, was there anything else in particular from williams documentary this week that stood out for you i just really i i like the whole concept really because it was at home and abroad and you know i don't think we know enough about i think it's all often criticized um for this or you know maybe it's just me that we we don't tend to really holiday at home and i think this the coronavirus crisis has really allowed people to think what's on our own doorstep and william was that was his notion really that talk of driving around the sandring estate talking about the flood pains and talking about the actual climate change isn't something that's just happening in you know death valley in the in arizona or um in africa or Australia, it's happening on our doorstep. And the coastal plains in the UK, um, certainly the, the the actual ecosystems outside your front door, in your garden, um, the issues with bees, whether we were getting enough of them, whether we were becoming extinct and mini bugs and all this sort of stuff. And using, you know, the next generation and talking to, to children about their passions, I think is is fantastic and and just seeing him with the kids because harry's always been the one that got on well with the children and maybe um maybe this is something different that we're, we're seeing with, uh, of william i think it showed a different different side to him um yeah, fantastically that, well well-rounded documentary that moment when he kind of reached out to the little kids and kind of said oh you're you're trouble aren't you like my little charlotte <laughs> yeah and just that kind of you know him calling her little charlotte and and trouble and just the sort of cheeky smile between the two of them and I know it's like a really sort of normal person thing to do, but it's also a normal person thing to do. And, yes. he, and he, he did it. And I know you were, um, you were talking about the things on your doorstep. I thought that him standing in the forest in Sandringham and looking up at the canopy and the pictures there and that incredible, massive old 400 year old tree, but the pictures of him looking up at the canopy, like we get, we're all like, wow, the Amazon rainforest, but actually our own, woods and forests if you catch the light they're absolutely beautiful and they're incredible incredible ecosystems but it has to be said i think it's some of the kids that were the star of that show like you know with their kind of yeah i'd, I'd be the queen bee or like the, yeah that was funny the, um yeah i just just talking about the, the the children i think that's something we've you know we have seen um Kate do more of over the last sort of year, haven't we? Especially when she's talking about child development and back, her back to nature garden was was very successful. Um, and maybe you know, you never know. Maybe we'll see a collaboration of them doing stuff like this because there there was a really interesting um, moment when they were both in the Hindu Kush mountains, and that you know, pictorially was just incredible. Watching them talking about these these ecosystems, the glaciers melting. Uh, in the Hindu Kush mountains in Pakistan, and and you know, a billion people rely on that those that 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 ecosystem, that water, 
Um, and them coming together and, and, and Kate speaking about it as well, then, you know, watch this space because I think both at home and abroad, that's, uh, that's something that they'll, they'll be doing together. I think it is fair to say that it, it is the younger generation. It is the climate strikers from school and all of that kind of thing who have really woken the rest of us up to the, like, oh yeah, it's a problem. We'll just get on with it and kind of carry on with her being like, actually, no, we do need to change something quite rapidly. And it did, it did feel before we went into sort of the coronavirus lockdown that things were changing quite a lot. So, you know, particularly on plastic, there was a, there'd been a huge, sea change for, for want of a better word in the amount of single use plastic or how acceptable it was to use single use plastic in terms of, you know like plastic water bottles and um, disposable coffee cups and things mm. but i think you know and now the coronavirus has kind of changed all of that and again and, and set it back so it'll be interesting to see how we evolve from that but um i did also really enjoy the little moment when kate was saying hello to sir david attenborough and sort of confessing really guiltily but also quite in a starstruck way that you know our children absolutely love you and they're really cross they can't come today which seems to I think that's probably a regular thing for all children but probably particularly for royal children you know George is always not getting to go in the helicopters <laughs> and all of the stuff that his parents get to do but you're well, on that, that that's, um, it will indeed and on that I think that's that's why it was so lovely to see the the, the video of the, the kids asking him questions which was you know, just amazing and hearing Louis speak and um and then, you know, Charlotte Charlotte speaking about it's just it's just genius. And um I I think, you know, we've 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 said a lot about privacy and the way that the media works with the palace and stuff. And this is just a really good example of, you know, they're not they're they're using the children speaking about uh things that they're passionate about. Obviously William speaks to the children about this this sort of stuff all the time and interesting them to the you know, surrogate grandfather, it's not bad, is it? I mean it's it it serves it so many purposes and um and no doubt we'll probably be having this conversation in twenty years time and when George is taking over the mantle from William. And I'll be fully grey or <laughs> dyed up. Dyed up to we'll the We'll be roots. in a home, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whole new podcast range. Um so I've, the other thing that I was, I've been trying to square in my mind, I think it's partly since seeing the Harry and Meghan video interview that they did last week with the Evening Standard, Big Scoop, start of Black History Month and doing the uh, sort of highlighting the young change makers and the, the future. But there was this big interview with Harry and Meghan. And when I was watching that, I thought, at the moment, we hear them talk a lot. Everything seems to be via them and their their speech about things and whether it's a function of where they are sitting in their journey to their new roles but everything kind of comes from them and their views and what they think about the world and what they think needs to change whereas I think I feel like traditionally for the royal family they are trying to go to places and allow other people to be heard and then obviously i watched william's documentary on monday night and i was like oh well maybe that's maybe that's not entirely fair because william is having a good old say so about what he thinks about everything here as well so this is this has been my journey of like when we when what is the purpose of of these royals is it do they get to have a say about how things should how things should be and what they think about life and are they speaking from a position of sort of knowledge and understanding from their you know, from their palaces or well, that's debatable, in isn't LA it? or whatever. Yeah, that is or, debatable. 
is it about bringing bringing people together and how do you, how do you balance those two things to have the most impact because we you know we love to hear what the what the royals have to say but a lot of the best value comes from their interactions with other people a lot of the time i think is well of course and that's you know that that's the purpose of engagement whether they're at home or abroad to shine a light on you know um smaller or, or organizations so whether it is uh, a baby bank or a mother and baby unit or it's you know when megan um celebrated the women at the cook who did the cookbook at the grenfell tower kitchen that's that's the genius of what they do it's to go in there and to use their platform to allow others to express and, and have their, themselves and have their voice heard. Um, there's nothing wrong with having opinions. And, you know, Charles has had them for many years on, on, the, on the environment. He's been talking 40 decades, like I said. He's been talking for, um, <laughs> for, for many, many years. But I think the issue is that, like you say, always seeing of Harry and Meghan at the moment is them sitting in a mansion talking about their view of the world. And I think, you know, speaking about Black History Month, fantastic, they're raising awareness. Um, however, I saw the comments from Trevor, Trevor Phillips, the, you know, the celebrated um, equalities campaigner, and he was saying that he felt slightly awkward that the language of being used of systemic racism, um, you know, he didn't necessarily uh, identify with, those, with that, those, that, la that language. And you know, made some derogatory comment of Harry sounded like a 1980s polytechnic teacher. Well, you know, maybe that's it's not here for me to comment. But I, I just sort of thought his comments were very, very interesting. That Harry and Meghan are rather than getting out there and talking to people who are being activists, they're just giving their viewpoint, and and maybe and that's essentially why they were criticised for wading in on the um, on the US election as well. Um, certainly, people at the palace didn't didn't it didn't go down too well uh, because you know Harry's sort of sitting there bemoaning the fact that uh, that he's never been allowed to vote. Well, you know, you come from a, a very very um, privileged background, and there are reasons why you're not you you, you, you haven't been able to vote because you're meant to be nonpartisan, and um, and they're sort of just abandoning that logic really. I think the bit that I found a little bit weird was when you were saying, you know, our, our city is really diverse, but when you go out onto the street, it doesn't always appear that way. It's like, mate, where are you going? 100%, you know. Is, was you he know. talking about London? They haven't lived He's... in London for ages, haven't been in London. And I just I just thought that was pretty tone deaf as well. Because if you... Yeah, I just... it's that That's not... London, London is one of the most diverse cities in the world. And there is... You know, there's loads of organisations, and the other thing about, I think there was there was something about Meghan had written a letter to the palace in um, in recent years to alert, uh, some school children who were celebrating Black History Month, and then she'd said on the other hand that she she hadn't heard of that Britain celebrated a Black History Month. Well, you know, they've got to be careful here because sitting in an ivory tower, sounding off about things that are just coming into your head without you know people to sort of advise you i don't really know who their advisors are at the moment it's not coming across well um and they're fast becoming a bit irrelevant um especially when you're seeing the cambridges uh and, and charles you know speaking about massive massive big big global issues like this um you know they'll be going to be left behind a little bit but when you've signed up to be public speakers then that kind of is your role you're public speaking you know there was the interview that um Megan did recently talking you know I think was it, was it with Fortune you know the, they pop up 
in in this fashion um you know speaking over zoom about some issue i think it was about what was she talking about like social the internet community and that kind of thing and making making the internet a better place that kind of thing but anyway that it's a work in progress for them um a few pieces fell into place for them while we were on our little break so they've paid the money back for frogmore which i think is I don't think it's so much about the money. I think it's just that it's symbolic, isn't it? And there's, it's not a hold to have over somebody where you can say, well, but you've still not done this all of the time. Well, have they? I mean, there's still a bit of confusion around this because they've made a sizable, I think the language was something like they've made a sizable contribution to the running and upkeep of the place and the palace didn't really go into detail i was off at the time so i'm just reading this second hand however it i think there were some headlines a week or two before because their people were saying yes yeah they've, they've paid they've paid all the money back whereas um it seems reading between the lines after sovereign grant came out that they were uh, that they had made a contribution to the to their rental um commitments which which had been agreed by harry uh, and and uh, you know the powers that be at the palace that they were going to pay that two point four million pound ish and whether it's a bit more than that because they spent a, another few hundred thousand on the outside so they paid a hundred thousand between well friends, of, between Russell. friends or family the, even <laughs> they had made they made a promise to pay that back but it was under the sort of guise of a uh, a rental agreement so i think they've paid a big lump sum to cover a number of years of that rental agreement and and um, i'm happy to be corrected on this but uh, it was still very very unclear from from reading the reports at the time of whether they had actually paid the full lot back now listen if you're signing a multi-million pound deal from netflix which is in the region of 100 million pounds 150 million whatever then they should have just cut a check and maybe they haven't even got all the money at the moment but if you're if you're spending 11 million quid on your new uh, lavish mansion in uh, in montecito then uh, they should have just settled it and i don't even know why we're still talking about this it should have just been settled be done with it pay the money and that should be it Says, there you go, spouting from your Done. not ivory tower about how things should be. Um, what, so Netflix deal, that was the other big kind of thing that fell into place for them. And what exactly, what we don't know really just yet is what exactly the programmes are going to be that they produce or take part in and how that will all how that will all shape up. And obviously there's, you know, rumours of a reality TV thing, which were knocked back as nonsense, um, which, you know, I don't think, I don't think we would need to sit. I mean, keeping up with the Kardashians, that also finished while we were- or, Well, there's a gap in the market finished. now, isn't there? Is there is a gap in the market. Well, we were told that they weren't going to start in a reality show. So there's a big story in the sun that was shot down by Harry and Meghan's people that said that they were, you know, signed up to do a big, tell-all, warts-and-all reality show, Kim Kardashian-esque. As I said, gap in the market. However, their lot said, no, they won't be starring in their reality shows. However, one of my favourite things, the devil is in the detail. Um, and will they be starring in a sort of fly-on-the-wall docu-series? Well, that wasn't necessarily um, made completely clear. Now, that could happen, and I can definitely see Netflix wanting to follow them around. They're not just going to allow them to, you know, give them a hundred million quid to be executive producers on a load of shows that they've created, you know, in a, you know, in a boardroom coming up with all these ideas, fancy ideas of how we can do all these shows. I think they will really want Harry and Meghan out there doing their sort of work. Um, 
you know, kind of doing a, a, several documentaries on, on, on the two of them. And that might not necessarily just be their work in LA or Africa or the Commonwealth or whatever. It will actually need to be following them around on their day-to-day lives. And, um, you know, what sort of kind of worms does that open? Um, it opens up a lot. And another kind of worms that was open, because, which was reported this week, is Harry's tax bill. Because they've both been in the US for over 150 days now. And if you're in the US for 183, I think it is, then you are liable to pay tax in the States. And the IRS are particularly um, belligerent in going after, you know, high net worth individuals. And so, you know, the, the royal family's tax affairs have always been closely guarded. It's always, you know, a big issue every year. We talk about how they're funded, whether Prince Charles, uh, you know, his 20 odd million pounds from the Duchy of Cornwall money, whether that is personal money it's all up to the debate about how they're funded isn't it and what sort of tax do they do pay now if harry's going to be paying tax and has been funded by his father as well well then that opens up an awful lot of questions um and potentially that's why charles is uh is not funding him anymore which is what um harry and megan's people are saying oh tax is always very complicated but maybe he should speak to Donald Trump because I hear he's got a good, <laughs> oh, yes, well, a good read on to how, to, yeah. how to deal with the tax, how to deal with the taxes. But anyway, we'll not we'll not go down that uh, down that avenue. Um, but so I was just thinking, you know, William is going big on the environment stuff. Kate is going big on the early years stuff. Megan is going big on kind of female empowerment, voting, and and race issues. And at the moment, to me in his new life it feels a little bit like harry is kind of doing the stuff with megan but what what is his area like traditionally his area has been veterans and obviously he's still got invictus games which has been an an ongoing thing you know mental health has been something that has been really important to him as well but i don't know it, it it feels slightly fuzzier at the moment for me what harry's new you know what what is his big thing to grab onto and hold onto in his in his new world or maybe he doesn't need a big kind of cause because he's doing a he's doing his new life maybe he's being maybe he's being like house house dad maybe he's doing him he's doing him this is I, I think i don't know i think he does i think he needs some direction because um he's always benefited from that um you know being involved in that arena the the, the mental health and veterans and interestingly enough there was some comments that made the front pages of um, the weekend's newspapers from uh, the former head of the British Army, Sir General Richard Dannett. And he was saying that, you know, Harry really needs to take a look at himself and come back and help the veterans in the UK. Um, And because there are charities that rely on him. And obviously, Invictus Games has been a massive success. It didn't go ahead this year. So there are obviously um, loads of groups and individuals that need the help and need the assistance and need you know, someone with his platform to shine a light on the things that they are going through. I think it would be a massive shame if he was to sort of not turn his back. I don't think it would be a um, a, uh, a, a decision f- for him. I think maybe if he starts getting involved in veterans in the US, that would be amazing. But realistically, he was a former, you know, served in the British forces. So um, I think, you know, the former head of the British Army saying that and echoing the the, the, the thoughts of a, a lot of charities in the UK, um, hopefully that we'll, we'll see him back on these shores helping them out. Equally, he's had a lot of um, 
turbulence in the last few years you know big big changes meet someone fall in love get married have a baby move to a whole new country have kind of a you know not it's a bit unfair to call it a quarter life crisis it might be an awakening whatever whatever you want to call it and to embark on this new life so like maybe he's he's got a bit more stuff to figure out to a certain extent because megan's maybe gone a bit more back to what she was doing before without the acting along the side whereas for harry it's all it's all quite new and, and needing to figure it out and there's obviously been the the battle of the brothers book serialization over the course of the last week which is you know we had we had the uh, finding freedom which gave very much the harry and megan um view on it seemed on on what had been happening over over the last two years and kind of the falling out and why things didn't work and then this is a a different view of it i'm not sure anybody necessarily comes out of it particularly well possibly like essentially there is fault on all sides in this version yeah um, i think that, you know that's normally the case isn't it these you know these biographies interestingly enough finding freedom was absolutely torn apart by megan's own lawyers which i found absolutely fascinating saying that they didn't they didn't recognise it as a uh, sort of the bastion of truth that it was um, that it was built up to be. So that, again, you know, Megan's court case will be very, very interesting. But if, they then if, lost uh, their case, and it can be used exactly. As and part you know, of and the authors will be called to to give evidence, and so will Megan, and that will be absolutely explosive. If they are, are made to give evidence on oath, and whether, whether they both cooperated for the book, I mean, there's probably a guess out, isn't there, that they didn't necessarily have conversations one-on-one uh you know with megan and the uh, and the authors but it's under no one's under any illusion that um that they 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 most probably did um cooperate with the book however megan's lawyers then threw the authors under the book and said that they didn't recognize a lot of lot of the, the the statements made in it so it's becoming a bit of a circus at the moment and like you said, this book, Battle of the Brothers, it's it's very well written, Robert Lacey's book. Um and it you know it opens up a so so many other issues for the, for the royals talking about the relationship between um harry and william the fact that william was was furious with harry since the you know the days that he wore an artsy outfit i think that that's been mentioned this this week in penny junior's book as well so there's there's an awful lot of mudslinging at the moment there's an awful lot of um issues name calling people being called erratic and impulsive um, you know, f- lots of fury being <laughs> banded around the place, whether it was to do with Meghan and Harry and what the, the, the way that they went about their business, which is stuff we already know. And I think that, gosh, I think next year we are we 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 will hopefully see a a cooling of attitudes between these two groups. Harry and Meghan will hopefully find their feet and do, um, you know, find find some sort of direction. And and William and Kate will will be um will be flying the flag on their own. I think one of the things I found most interesting reading it was the kind of the almost identifying the men in grey suits or one particular man in grey suit who wasn't really able to handle the glitz and star power that arrived into the royal family with with Meghan and I mean he he was very much was it said is it said Edward Young the uh, yes yeah the, the Queen's, Queen's private secretary who was kind of tasked with trying to build this this role for Megan and he was he was he was basically put as being not up to the task in in this particular view of of things and you know i think it's i wonder i wonder how often they all sit there and have those sliding doors 
thoughts about if we'd done this at this stage, would things have been different? Or if this person had dealt with that meeting instead of that person, would it all have been different? Or would it all have just, you know, come to come to a head in a different way at a different time? But actually have the outcome the same it's you know it's 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 a futile it's a futile thing to do well, it is, but yeah. it's a human thing to just look back and say if if only if only absolutely there were some comments today actually about whether um <clears throat> whether people in the past thought that they'd made a mistake um <coughs> letting megan go on her first engagement with the queen to chester and i was there at the time there's loads of crowds great day you know, big privilege for her to step out of the Queen so soon after she got married. But the issue was they were saying, well, did Meghan then think, I don't fancy this, you know, going up to a, a northern town on a train overnight. And, you know, I really want to be making speeches at the UN and changing the way that girls' education is um, uh, sought after in, in Africa. And maybe she 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 also thought this this is not for me and and it all happened very very quickly didn't it so listen there's there's obviously been massive mistakes on both sides and i'm sure that both sides feel feel a, a sense of regret at, at certain stages we've talked a bit about money already in this episode we've got to talk about it a little bit more because the sovereign grant details of spending and whatnot you know everybody loves to go through those accounts and see you know what's been spent and prince andrew getting a helicopter for i think sixteen thousand pounds to some golf event just before he got removed from um or essentially removed himself from his public role with that disastrous um interview that he gave and the full cost of the, the that wonderful tour that you got to go on as well. I don't think you spent a quarter of a million quid on it, though, did you? No, I did not. And I no, I thought I'm sure I I, I spent all my own, own money going going to going to that trip. It was uh, it certainly wasn't a quarter of a million pounds. It's um, you know what? I I don't know. A lot was made about that quarter of a million pounds, but I didn't think it was that much because you know. Let's take out the fact that they launched that bombshell statement. And um, I think that was probably the issue, wasn't it? That they were using taxpayer government funds in order to then use the media to publicize their trip and then drop the bombshell of, you know, that they, that they did and that they essentially paved the way for them to leave the, leave the royal family. Um, yeah, we've got to, we've, we've got, you know, we've got to pay this. The, the government is there to pay pay money for the royals to go on trips like this and to spread brand royal, brand Britain, and to to go and you know do do shine a lot on these fantastic causes on these um on these trips. The big things I do have a problem with is sixteen thousand pounds on Prince Andrew's uh, 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 private jet trip to Belfast, which is absolutely ludicrous. You can probably get a eighty five quid return with fly b or ba so why on earth is he spending 16 grand there was another one um the princess royal went to a rugby match and that was about twelve thousand pounds then you had you know the million pound cost to re um refit the new old stables property for the duke and duchess of gloucester because they've moved out of their grace and favor apartment um one at kensington palace this is frankly ludicrous and more should have been made about that really i was i think that people would be incensed even though they're classed as working royals it's spending a million quid on their new uh, lavish abode is probably uh six in the crawl with a lot of people do you think do you think the um the royal family will have to review how it deals with its 
finances and its refurbishments and all that that kind of thing or or do enough people just ignore it and leave it go on under the radar well no i think they should because they're making people redundant you know everyone's feeling the pinch we're, we're battling uh living in a pandemic people are gonna un- unfortunately hundreds of thousands of people millions of people are going to lose their jobs over the next few months we're going to be feeling it um, you know, in all sections of society, and when you're spending, a, you know, three hundred and fifty odd million pounds doing Buckingham Palace up, well, then it might be time to open up the palaces a bit more and get get people get people in when we can have tourists back. Um, well, particularly if the Queen's not going to be in Buckingham Palace. Exactly. So the exactly. Then climate. make it. And and you know, this is also a big thing about whether Charles will actually um, ever move into Buckingham Palace. It's said that you know he'd, he'd much rather stay at Clarence House. So therefore. Buckingham Palace should just then be a museum, surely. If it's if it can be completely opened up and charge, you know, hundreds of thousands of tourists a year, then that should go towards funding funding the royals. When you look at the baseline figures, I think it's one pound twenty three, isn't it, for every um, every person in the UK? So it's it's still pretty cheap. Eighty five, eighty six point three million pounds it works out at, um, and considering the you know the the millions that the, the that the royals do bring in. You know, maybe being slightly unfair. I think there's there's arguments to be had on both sides of the, the coin, isn't there? Definitely. And I'm sure we will have those arguments again in the future. It's been lovely to have you back, Russell. It's lovely um, to see you. Uh, what I should check, I mean, I know I know that we tend to find out late in the day these days what, what might be coming up on the on the royal front. Is there anything that is standing out already aside from the Earthshot excitement, which will be yesterday's or today's news by the time that people are listening to this well no not at the moment it's 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 uh, this is a this is um the big project at the moment i can't see you know any tours being planned there might be a surprise one before the end of the year you never know uh but it, if, if there was by someone it would be a very very small one um i can't you know the diaries are being planned a little bit for the for the autumn and winter well for the for the winter uh, now, but it's still very tentative, isn't it? I think that um, yeah, the, the, the Cambridges are still going to keep trying to get out there. I think we will see this sort of dual aspect of engagements, whether it's on you know Zoom, on trying to get out there and meet the public. But it, whilst, whilst the landscape is changing so much in in so many different cities around the country, it's going to be uh, it's going to be quite difficult. It is, and I think everyone's kind of got into the swing of this new way of being. Like it feels quite familiar doing. Zoom calls. I mean, I can't remember what it used to be like being in the studio with you. Like it's long ago. Well, I've been in work for like the office for what eight, nine, nine months now. It's the closest I've been to the office is so we we had a week away in Italy while during our um, our um, little break. Not me and Russell, me and my husband. And flying <laughs> flying Don't back tell in, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> flying back into London. We flew over the office. Like that's the closest I've been to the office in in since february it's 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 crazy but one of the um one of the well it's not exactly a nice thing about lockdown because obviously it'd be much better to have fans in the stadiums but there is so much football on television and i think prince william as an aston villa fan may be a little bit happier about this season so far compared to how he was previously i remember when uh, he was on the peter crouch podcast he was saying about how he keeps wanting to get hold of the twitter account from his you know his press team and be tweeting about Aston Villa all of the time <laughs> but clearly he he managed to get a hold of it on Sunday night when they absolutely thumped Liverpool in an extraordinary result unbelievable was it 7-2 <laughs> 
it was crazy. I, I, it must be going uh, going crazy. If he keeps getting more, um, you know, more results like this, and he won't have any problem with get, having George uh, becoming an Aston Villa fan, I think that was one of his his issues. That he said he could be any fan apart from Chelsea. Um, right, it's, it's doing pretty well. I'm loving all the football at the moment, but I'm desperate to go and see some some live sport. Oh, yes, but some live sport. Who knows? West Ham are doing okay as well. We're is... not doing too badly. I actually did think we'd lose Touch. the first seven matches of the of the uh, of the season, so we're not doing too badly. Well, start your expectations low, and you'll be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> but I'm still continuing the campaign to get the Royals in Aston Villa face masks. I was, I got, I got taken to task by someone for pointing out that I didn't like Kate's floral mask with her checkered jacket because I just found it all a bit much, oh, and I dear. thought she'd have been better with an Aston Villa face mask. But as was rightly pointed out to me, the main thing was she is wearing a mask this is a good exactly. thing to see which is very true but it didn't mean that it didn't hurt my eyes at the same time anyway what's <laughs> well I'll, I'll take that sartorial uh what's your, i've got a very boring black mask you know oh. it's pretty oh, dull dear. i keep saying to the, to my uh, my wife we need to get some better masks because i i get you know mask envy when you see some people with some nice floral or not necessarily floral, just patterned ones. Oh, I was very ones. boring. Lots of excitement. There's some good ones on Etsy all over the place. I do things. know about this. Yes, yeah. And all, all other retailers are available. All other retailers are available. <laughs> Maybe we'll do more selfies next week for next week's Instagram picture. But um, we'll be on Instagram over the next week. I'm at, uh, We're at Podsafe and Russell's at Russell J Myers. Are you? I am indeed, yeah. yeah. Uh, what I will say is um, Kensington Palace uh, Instagram and Twitter is going to be launching five videos of Earthshot from 7am UK time tomorrow. So by the time this comes out, you, you will be able to see them all. Great. So that's really interesting. And William is on going to be on BBC Radio 4 Today programme on Thursday morning. So by the time this is out, go back and check that out because I'm just seeing some of the words from the interview and he's talking about, you know, uh, a lot of people wanting to do many good things for the environment and what they need is a bit of a catalyst, a bit of hope, a bit of positivity that we can actually fix what's being presented. And this is how Earthshot was born. So check it out. Excellent. It's going to be really fascinating to watch that unfold. Russell, it's been great to have you back again. Lovely, Lovely to, see, to you. see you. And listeners, it's been great to be spending the last 45 minutes or an hour with you. And we shall look forward to doing it again very soon. Stay safe, stay well. And until next time. Pod save the Queen! <laughs> <laughs>